I just think action is what creates the information for you to then make decisions on and change your mind on. And so just do it. Just start. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Cope, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. Oh my goodness, I am excited about this one. Not only is it one of my favorite women in the world, but we are actually recording this podcast in some way live. <laughs> We're together in the same house, although in separate offices and on separate floors. My dear friend, Jackie Koch is with me today on the show. Welcome. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming to my house and checking it out. I'm so excited to have this combo. Arizona is has always had a place in my heart, and it's been fun to integrate it with my family and just have like-minded women who are in the neighborhood who you can literally drive to in 20 minutes and spend mm -hmm. a day with. So thank you for being here. Of course. We are starting a series, a series I am so passionate about and so excited about, which is women in business who inspire me. And specifically- Are we going to interview somebody else? Is that what's <laughs> going to happen? No. <laughs> no, actually you're it today. And not only are you it, you're the number one episode oh, in the geez. series. You had, pressure. you had to, you had the same name as me. Come on. We had to, we had to do it this way. Amazing. So we are doing a series of women, not just women in business who inspire me, women in business who are running their own business. So have stepped into entrepreneurship. And I really want to dig into the under underlines of like what it was like to make those transitions and what showed up for people and lessons learned. And so that's what we're going to dig into today. And Jackie is going to explain her experience of moving into entre entrepreneurship, not just the first time, but she's done this multiple times and mm -hmm. all of her experiences through that. But my love, before we dive into that, I think it would be great just for the listeners to hear more about you and your background and how did you get here in the first place? Yeah. Oh gosh. Long. My, my Minnesota accent is definitely going to come out talking to you. I know it. It Minnesota is. Accents are coming. I, I have tried to mute it for so many years and it's just, it's, there's no, no point in trying to do that on this, this interview, but okay. So I grew up in Minnesota. I'll start there. Um, and I had kind of done the traditional thing, right? You go to college, you get a job. I went to school for, um, an HR I got a business with an HR emphasis and a Spanish double major. And I started my career in HR and recruiting, did all of the things, bought a house, got married, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden I woke up at, it was like 25. And I was like, what is this my life? Like, this is, this is it. Like, this can't be it. Like, you know, and I had this desire to be an entrepreneur. I wanted freedom. You know, this was, 15 years ago before remote work was a thing. And so the only way to really get time freedom was to build your own business. And so I had decided to, and I fell in love with fitness and wellness. And I kind of did like a personal transformation in terms of getting in shape. I did a fitness competition. I finally like did a lot of like the wellness stuff and I developed this passion for health and wellness 
And I started building a network marketing company. And so I, my first venture in entrepreneurship was building a network marketing company while working full-time and then quitting my full-time job and starting a personal training gym. I became a fitness and a trainer and it was fairly successful. I had built enough money so that I could move to California. And I, I guess I'll save this for, I'm sure we'll dig into it. Like why I decided to make the jump the first time at that point, I think is it might be relevant for the combo, but for sake of staying on track for your question, I moved to California. I had a network marketing business with no network. And I was like, okay, I need to meet people. What should I do? And so I started personal training in LA talk about imposter syndrome, being a personal trainer in in Los Angeles. That's a whole nother conversation. And then I started working part-time at Lululemon. And I fell in love with the culture of Lululemon so much. And it was the first time that I saw a corporate environment that was embracing this world of personal development and like blending the two together. And so I stayed there for about three years, managing some stores and eventually didn't want to be a in retail and, and those hours and, and what that took. And there was no way I was going to be able to work in corporate because corporate was in Vancouver and I was never going to get a visa, you damn Canadians, to, to go work there. Um, to get across <laughs> that border, my friend. It, it was even back then. Um, and so I was evaluating. I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to do? And and I decided that I wanted to get into a corporate HR role again. And I was like, where can I go that I don't feel like my soul is going to die? Like I cannot go back to a normal corporate environment. And in LA, there was the startup scene. And so I was like, I'm going to join startups. It'll, it'll fill my entrepreneurial spirit while also giving me you know, a little bit of a steady paycheck and and all of those things. And so did that. I worked for three different startups in Los Angeles um, as the head of recruiting and then eventually the head of HR and decided to go off. There was a lot of things that ended up happening to make this happen, but decided to start my own HR and recruiting business, very similar to yours, um, about two and a half years ago. And it's been the best decision ever. I love it. I work with small, you know, entrepreneurs, VC funded startups to help them with fractional HR, as well as, you know, headhunting, quote unquote, recruiting support. I love that, that was a lot. It, it's, it's helpful to know the story though. And even understand, I love that your Minnesota accent is going to come out because my Canadian one always seems to come out whenever they put a mic in front of my face, but that transition of you lived through in the last 15 years, multiple transitions, inclusive of changing location, changing careers, changing industries over and over again. And that really is a piece of the conversation I want to have, which is transitions and recognizing that Jackie runs this epic company called People Principles. We'll tag everything up in the show notes. And yes, we run similar businesses And two and a half years ago, probably three years ago, we were introduced and realized very quickly that we had a lot of similar experiences and passions and interests and were able to collaborate a lot in that transition that you lived through going from your last head of people role into what now is people principles. Can you openly talk about 
how you have moved through transitions, the good, the bad, the ugly, but like what comes up for you when you are making those transitions and have made those transitions over the last 15 years? Of course. And I I think I have to go back to the first major transition in my life. And that was in 2012, 2011, I was married and I decided to get a divorce, leave my marriage. And as a result of that decision, there was a lot of financial impacts with that decision where I had to foreclose on my house, file bankruptcy. I was, it was looking like I might have to move in with my parents at some point, you know, at 26, 27. And in that moment, I was like, I guess I've always been a glass, like the glass is half full type of a person. Because when I was evaluating the decisions, I was like, okay, I have to go through this. I might have to move in with my parents. If I have to move in with my parents again, I might as well be doing something that I like going for a dream. Like I'm going to just have to hit rock bottom and stay in a career path I know is not fulfilling me. So I think I just defaulted. I'm I'm a little bit of a, (laughs) I jump all in and I'm like, shit will figure itself out. And so like, I kind of, it's all a little bit all or nothing type of a person. Like I, I do make some radical changes. So I think that was kind of what my thought process was like then. Now I don't have kids. I obviously don't have kids now. So I didn't at that time. So it was a a slightly different decision, but I think when I was making the decision again, this second time to go back into entrepreneurship, I mean, there were so many things that came up for me um, at that moment, but I think at the end of the day, I just said, okay, if it doesn't work out, you've already hit rock bottom once before and you turned out pretty great, even better. So like, if you hit rock bottom again, like who cares? You know, I kind of have that, you might as well go for it. Who cares type of approach when I go through transitions, which isn't always the best because I don't always think things through all the way, but I think that is kind of my natural. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, obviously there, we, there's a lot more, but overall that would be probably the theme that kind of comes up for me. Yeah, that's, that's helpful to get that. Just how your mindset works and how, you know, when you go through transition and you live, have a lived experience, you crash, you hit rock bottom and you pull yourself up. There's a muscle that gets built. There's some resilience that shows up. There's a trust in self where you go, okay, I can do that. I can do that again. And I definitely don't have, I don't care what other people think of me. I just don't teach me. I mean, (laughs) I just don't have that. So it's not, I don't, it's never, well, what if I fail? What are people going to think? It's more the, like what comes up more for me is like the financial thing, right? Like you're going to have no money when you're 65 years old. And like, you know, like those are the things that come up, but I never once worry what people are. I shouldn't say I don't worry about what people think about, about me. I don't care if I fail at something, what somebody thinks of me, if that makes sense. Like, I never want people to think I'm like being malicious or something like that. So I do have that part of my brain, but the, the, the fear of failure of what other people will think from a failure just doesn't register on my brain. So I just, that's a wiring thing, I think. Beautiful. And I know so many do, but also to have you say like, Hey, it's not the fear of success or not being successful through the eyes of others. Isn't really what has maybe held me back. 
what I am hearing you say, though, if I kind of pull at that string a little bit more, is there has been, or maybe still is, sometimes shows up this fear of money and where is the money coming from right. in terms of how it's going to help my help my life grow. Talk to me about that. So if that's the fear for you, and let's go back to the transition of you're the head of people for a tech startup in LA, highly successful, and you're making the decision to take a leap to say, I'm going to start my own fractional HR uh, company inclusive of headhunting and recruitment. And you're making that call to essentially leave a multi-six-figure salary on the table to step into the unknown. What showed up in your body in terms of the stories you told yourself or the fears right before kind of taking that leap? Because those little ankle biter thoughts and stories Mm -hmm. definitely always show up in that like 11th hour right before we're making that call. Well, it's in the middle of the pandemic. So I also need to like set the stage a little bit. It I'm I have total whiplash from laying a bunch of people off to holy shit, no one can hire people fast enough, all within like a four-month swing. And so I feel like I it that was just whiplash, but I'm coming off of that. I think I think the the thought, the tingly, the thoughts, things that came up at the 11th hour were, is anybody actually gonna hire me? Like, do people actually need this? Do I know enough people? Will people actually hire me? Is there enough work for me to sustain, to build a business that I can, a livable business, right? Um, I think that is the fear that popped up. Not even think I know. Um yeah, I, that that would be it. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think if there's other things, but it was more like, will people actually take a chance on me? Even though I don't know, I don't believe that's the case. But like, is there enough work to go around? Mm-hmm. Will people actually hire me? Can I find enough people to hire me to, you know, sustain my life? Yeah, I'm curious because this time stepping into entrepreneurship you had a different skill set that you were going all in on, let's say a different function being Mm -hmm. people versus in your past. What I heard you say is that you did some entrepreneurship in wellness, health and wellness. And that was a space you were really passionate about. Talk to me about the difference between following a passion versus following a hard skill you had developed for a 20 year career. Yeah. The, I'm so glad you asked about that because it's such a different shift. And I think it shows up in that my fear was, is there enough demand for me? The fear wasn't, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Or I feel worried about my ability to deliver or or anything like that. I have very little feelings of fraud in of being a like imposter syndrome in this space because I know I'm very, very good at it. And I think what I've learned is, and what I learned about being an entrepreneur, so when I became an entrepreneur in the first time, I was like following a passion, something I loved, a hobby, because everyone says, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, I love wellness. I want to help people get fit and healthy. I do still love that. It's still a huge part of my life. And I do still think I'm doing that. But me building up, it wasn't the business I wanted to be in. One, it wasn't a super high paying business to be in. It wasn't a super, it wasn't my highest paying skill. I actually had a coach um, 
at one point during that time, when I moved to LA, she was like, what is your highest paying skill and how can you make money doing that? And that always stuck with me. And so when I was thinking about becoming an entrepreneur again, I was like, I'm very good at recruiting. People pay a lot of money for this. I'm very good at HR. People pay a lot of money for this. I could do this as a business. And I was seeing things left and right as a head of HR. I was seeing recruiters sending what they were sending me. And I'm like, this is laughable and terrible and not at all how I'm going to do, how I would do it. And so I think what's interesting about that is what I've learned is I, I'm, I'm building, building the business is the fun part for me. The fulfillment is being an entrepreneur and the business part is the fun stuff. I like recruiting. I like HR stuff enough, but what's fun is like building the business. And I didn't have that when I was an entrepreneur the first time, because I was really just like showing up for my personal training sessions. I wasn't doing any of the fun stuff, like learning how to build a website. Like I like those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I'm getting totally off your initial topic, but I guess what I would say to anybody listening who maybe is wanting to jump into entrepreneurship is maybe what you are doing right now that you feel like you're running from is actually a skill that you could turn into a business and build your and have success as an entrepreneur on something that you wouldn't consider to be your ultimate passion in life. Hmm. And I have made, I have doubled my annual salary from when I was in house doing this. I never made this kind of money when I was in the doing what I quote unquote thought I was super passionate about. Yes. That's actually just like, stop. If you're listening to this, give a little applause because that's incredible, right? Two and and a half years later, we're in a position now where you say my salary's doubled from what it once was inclusive of working through all the fears of there not being enough, right? There's not Mm -hmm. enough work. Who's going to hire me? A lot of that undertone of enoughness sometimes shows up. Abundance really shows up. One of the things I kind of want to tailor on from that conversation you just, you just mentioned is Jack, you and I both came from internal HR. We both sat in the seat of head of HR we were the ones that recruiters and others were coming to, to pitch business, to pitch services. And we were ultimately then making the decisions at the end of the day, if that service was going to work with our business or not. I'm curious how that changed your approach to running people principles in the business you run today, because you had a firsthand look at, let's call it a hundred shitty um, you know, proposals versus having some insight into what was getting sent around in this market when you went out and now you're the one pitching proposals to companies. Oh gosh, so many things to say on this topic. But I think the first thing that I'll say is having been in that seat that you just described and being pitched to, I knew, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you are in recruiting in HR, you're probably wonderful. So I am not speaking to you. There are a lot of people who think they can be in recruiting and HR who are not good at it. And I would see the proposals that would come and I was like, they're making that much money and I don't even want to work with them. Like if they can do it, I can do it. It's just like when you you go to a, a personal development seminar or you go to some sort of event and you like you borrow belief from other people, right? And so it's not that you think you're better than other people, but you'll hear someone talking and sharing about the success you've had and they're no different than you. 
And you're like, if you can do it, so can I. Well, I kind of had that, except for it was like, these people are doing a really crappy job and making a lot of money. I will just do what I wish someone would do for me as the internal person, right? So when I go and I look and, and I, I think about forming my business, whether it's my pricing strategy or, or whatever, I look at it as, okay, I empathize with the internal HR person or the small business or the, the, the CEO of the small business or the, the scaling startup, you know, and I'm like, okay, what, what keeps them at, up at night? What are they thinking about? And the way that I'm pitching my business is a blend of making sure I am getting compensated for my expertise that I've built over the last almost 20 years, but also matching it with like, what do they actually need? And I think having been internal, especially in a startup, it's very different than big companies. And I know what those are. And so I craft my offerings, I craft my pricing strategy, the way I partner with people. And I go above and beyond to make sure it's a partnership because at the end of the day, they need to learn how to do this side of their business to grow. And so I want them to learn how to do this on their own. I don't want them to have to need them all the time. Um, I mean, sometimes I do, but you know what I'm saying. So I think I those are the two things that, that I think I got from that was first seeing what was out there and knowing I could do a lot better to knowing what was so important to those stakeholders and crafting my offerings to that, because I think there's so many people out there that just, they craft their offerings back, back to the way the recruiting industry has always been. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like the recruiting industry is still charging fees, how they did when I started 15 years ago. Why? It doesn't make sense to me. So I was just like, what if I could, what if I could make these offerings different that actually made business sense? Love this. Love this. And there's so, there's so much goodness. One of the things that really resonated with me as we kind of flow towards I'm, my curious question next will be your top lessons learned as an entrepreneur. But if I'm hearing and what I keep hearing is something that really resonated with me as you were speaking is this borrow belief. When somebody goes before you and you see that they have done something that maybe you are interested in doing in any realm of the imagination, it could be women building their own businesses, frankly, it could be that broad of a topic. It allows you to really reflect and resonate on this borrowed belief and okay, great, they did it. Wow, can I do it too? Or I can do it too in that language. I think there's such truth to that in my own story. And there's so many good nuggets that are just coming through here, but that borrowed belief really stood out to me. And I'm curious for you, if you were to, it can be three, five, whatever shows up in, in your own body, what would be the top lessons learned from making the transition to being a, a business owner, a female founder running your own business? Well, I, one of the lessons would be to network with people who are already doing what a version of what you want to do. So like, just like the Boward borrowed, I almost said it like you borrowed belief, like you were that for me, right? So you, I was introduced to you because you joined a mastermind that my boyfriend helped facilitate. He knew you. And I talked about wanting to do this for at least a year. And he's like, just talk to Jackie. I was like, fine, I'll talk to her. And so he introduced us 
And I didn't show up to that meeting feeling like an imposter or, or any sort of like competition between us. I really was like, I want to understand how you made this jump to doing this on your own. What are you seeing out there? And just like understand and learn from you. And what I appreciated so much about you is that you were so generous with what you shared with me and like really helped and you just like believed in me that I could do it too. And so I would say, find that, like, don't be afraid to reach out to people who are doing what you're doing and ask them to collaborate or connect because you're going to run into people who don't want to for those reasons, but you're going to run into some that do. And it has been such, I think, a hack of mine um, that I have that because it's because of our relationship that I then go out and do that to other people who are experts in different, like I, human resources is such a vast thing, right? There's recruiting, there's compensation experts, there's DEI experts, there's legal compliance. I cannot be an expert in all of those things. I'm not, but I want to have a network of experts that I trust that are going to treat my clients as good as I am. And so if I go out there and search for those experts and build those relationships, I have that. And that's what I've done. And I think that really came from you being so willing to do that for me. So thank you for that. But I think that would be like the first lesson. That was a lot to unpack. So maybe I won't keep going in case there's anything you want to add to that. But I would say that's been the number one thing that I didn't I shouldn't say I didn't think about, but that I, that I've learned. Let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> I think in my experience, I talk to a lot of women who are maybe on the fence of leaving corporate and wanting to start their own thing. And a lot of the times there's this, uh, there can be this undertone, or I've heard this undertone of fear of why would somebody hire me over these other 10 people who are already doing it? They're established. They have the credibility. They have the brand. They have the followers. They have all the quote unquote things. Why would somebody work with me over others? And there's this fear that shows up of almost an undertone of competition, right? And an undertone of worthiness also comes, comes up there. One of the things that I am so freaking grateful to have you in my corner of like women who I call, I text, we reach out when we need support with one another. Like we, mm-hmm. we are still collaborating in ways that we can partner together. There's lots of things left on tap between Jackie and Jackie and their mm-hmm. hiring world. But one of the things that I love most is we have always approached our relationship from a place of generosity and giving, but from also a place of abundance that there generally is enough to go around for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I want you to hit it out of the park just as much as I know you're cheering for me to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so I offer that to the listeners because there's sometimes a missed opportunity because we hold ourselves back from this fear of belief with, which is who's going to hire me when they could already hire that person to do the same thing. Right. And I guess like, when I'm thinking about this now as you're talking, and I'm sorry to cut you off, I, I've been in the world of recruiting for so long that it is a very saturated industry. Like, I, I wish I knew the amount of recruiters there are. There are countless amounts of recruiting agencies out there. Endless, endless, endless. 
And I think because I've seen so many not great ones, when I met you, I was like, the world needs to work with good people. Like, how can I, if there's going to be this many out there already, how do we take over a tiny little lot, like a tiny little share to make sure that people are having a great experience? Because I know that you're going to treat people as well as I am. So it's like, I almost think when you, when there's two of you entering a very competitive space, you're both like, Hey, there people are obviously in spending money in this area. How do we not help impact more people? I guess is also something I thought of. Well, that's the abundance mindset is if we, if we put each other up on a pedestal, if we support each other, if we pour into each other, if we pour belief into one another, then our ability to serve more people becomes a greater ripple. You said it, Jack, you're now partnering with other humans and mentoring other humans that are maybe starting in their space within HR. So DE&I or compensation, employee relations, legal, you're now connecting with other people who maybe were just starting or didn't have a multi-six-figure business and you're now pulling them up. Right. And it's that mentality of like, we are rising together. And that is such a beautiful gift in our relationship. And if you're listening to this show, like somebody is waiting for you to do the damn thing, to partner with you, to, to get it out in the world. Like, you know, there's this Lisa who was on my podcast. She has, she's an amazing DE and I like expert. I want her to build a course. I'm like, Hey, when's your course launching? And she's like, and I'm like, Hey, when are you, when are you building your course? Cause I want to fucking sell the course for her because it's good because my clients need it, you know? And so I'm like, Hey, when are you doing this? When are you doing this? You know, or, you know, my friend Ashley of manager method, she has an amazing manager 101 training because she was a general counsel for a long time. I don't want to be a training expert, but I, all of the trainings that exist out there on the market suck. They're not good. She's a stand-up comedian and a, an attorney. Her trainings are good. Like I yes. want to refer people to these things. I want my clients to have good things. So if you're listening to the show, there are people who want you to just build the damn thing so they can refer it. And if you don't, because you're afraid, like, I'm going to be pissed at Lisa and and Ashley if they start stop offering these things, you know? And listen to that undertone too, because in a way, what you're saying is I'm also, one, giving them market data to say my clients need this, and two, holding them accountable to say, hey, yo, when's that course coming out? Because I have four people on the wait list that are ready to buy. Mm-hmm. What a way to like hold each other accountable and push the agenda forward to support holistically the people space, which is what I think we're all doing here. Mm -hmm. Right. We genuinely believe that in entrepreneurship and growth businesses, people are running like businesses are all related to people. At the end of the day, we can have systems, software, technology, which I'm all for. And definitely there's experts in those spaces. But at the end of the day, Jack, you and I are in the people space. We believe that people unlock growth and create sustainability. And we're one slice of a big industry. So we need to find the other pieces of the pie to kind of holistically say, hey, if you need a comp expert, DNI, you know, if you need a manager 101, these are the people we go to in our network. So I love that, like, as you rise, you also get to help other people rise, not just from a sake of it's nice to do, which it is, but there's an actual need in a clientele standpoint of you and I both know we're only as successful in attracting the right talent if they then get developed 
and retained the right way once they're in house. Mm-hmm. So we need people to support the engagement, the coaching, the right. supportive development for that person to thrive and be successful. A hundred percent. I love that. Okay. Thank you for unpacking that. So mm-hmm. number one, there's abundance everywhere. <sighs> Partnering is a beautiful thing. What are some of the other things that you would say are top lessons learned from stepping into being a female founder and entrepreneur? I would say you have to, the second would be be okay with saying yes and figuring out where, how, how it works after you've done it. And what I mean by that is like, you wait to do like, for example, I created this course, right. And I was waiting to launch. I I still haven't officially launched it because I have all, I still am dealing with this thing. I'm going to tell you, but like, just start doing something. Like if you have an idea, just do it. Don't wait till it's perfect, I guess, is, is, is the lesson. Like be okay with offering something that is 40% baked out and give yourself the space to, to whether it's pricing, right? You're not really sure about your pricing. And so you do something and you're like, oh, I did that way too low. I'm going to charge more next time. Not that you should like always start below. Maybe you do start too high. Like the the thing with my course is I think I actually priced it too high. So now I have to figure out what I'm going to do with that. So, but you just got to start doing it. Just start doing it. Um, I don't remember, there's some US president that said like, make your decisions with like, when you have like 80% of the information or something like that. I can't remember the one, but um, I just think action is what creates the information for you to then make decisions on and change your mind on. And so just do it, just start. Um, That would be one. The second is the tech side of it isn't as hard as you think. Like I built my own website. I built, like I literally have done everything myself. I'm so impressed. Let me just say that. You could do it. I know I could. I think I have a belief. I have a belief that I'm not a techie. You could build your goddamn website. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> I know there are so, there are epic templates out there that can help you all, but regardless. Right. Going. So like, I guess give yourself permission to learn something new and don't immediately say you, you don't know how to do something um, because you can learn it. And then if you don't hire an expert to teach you what they're doing when they're doing it. So then, you know, for example, I hired Jasmine to help me build out my course. She taught me Kajabi. Like I was, I was putting off building my course. I had all of the, the decks done, the videos, and I was putting off doing it because I didn't know how to build Kajabi, a product in Kajabi. And it was so overwhelming. I tried the videos. I couldn't figure it out. And I told her, and she literally spent 20 minutes on a call with me showing me how to do it. And I started to cry because I finally had the confidence. I'm like, oh, I can do this. And I built the course within two days after that, you know, so I don't know. So you're just smarter than you think you are, I guess would be something I've learned. Um, I don't know. I feel like those are the biggest things so far. I'm sure something else will come up. Is there anything I've told you I've learned that I haven't mentioned? (laughs) I feel like these are, these are epic ones. Like just like pouring belief into yourself, giving yourself, you know, one of the things that you talked about, which I just did an episode on is giving ourselves grace and space, right? So creating space and giving yourself enough grace to realize like we're beginners, we're learners. So for Mm -hmm. you, maybe building the website was the first time you ever built it. And 
down the road, you might hire an expert to build your next website, but at least you've done the dang thing first. So you know what it took to build that. Right. How and I know if I'm getting bullshit charges. Duped on, on the charges or not. <laughs> what would you say is the importance of that, of like, you go first, you try it first, you get your hands dirty first, and then you elevate and hire, or you elevate and bring somebody on that's maybe an expert. Because you don't even know what you're hiring for, unless you kind of have an idea of how to do the thing. You don't know how to hire for it and you don't know what you actually need. Mm-hmm. So I would say, and I think it builds a little well, one, you don't know what you need, but you also, you build confidence once you learn how to do something that you didn't think you knew how to do. Like you build the confidence just in being able to run a business, you know? So I think that's definitely like one of the benefits. And then I would say getting stuck in the weeds of some of the minutia has helped me, un- how do I even want to say this? it's helped me understand what I can delegate and what I can't. Like, I don't need to probably ever hire an an assistant, maybe a VA, but I only know that because I invested in a systems expert to help me set up my Asana boards and my project management process. So that now I know the, the few things I could give to somebody but like, I don't need an assistant, right? And if I hadn't been in the day-to-day of doing my thing, my own work, I, I might've jumped to hiring an assistant when really that money should be spent elsewhere in the business. So that's like one example. I feel like I'm going off on a tangent, but it builds confidence. It helps you know what you actually need. And yeah, th- those would be the two things. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your perspective there. It's always a question I ask is, Hey, are you the one in the weeds doing the things until you grow revenue, confidence, business acumen, all those good things, then you hand it off or have you approached it? It's just kind of a curious question that I always have for what people's philosophy has been on that. And I think it's different too. You know, I think it depends on what your business is that you're growing. I'm building a business more and like in my area of expertise. Yes. Yeah. If I was building a business in a, a different so- a software platform. To I have an amazing idea our, for one. I, exactly. I know. Um, but I would fucking hire a lot of people right away because I am, I, that's not me. I'm not, yeah. I could learn how to code. I believe that to my core, <laughs> but it is not worth it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What would you say, what would you say to the woman on the fence? The woman who is maybe just rifled with fear. There's so much going on internally. She's in her head. There's a lot of noise, maybe showing up in her own belief system of being quote unquote ready to fully step from what I'm doing today into this deep, deep knowingness that I meant for more this deep knowingness that there's a business that's left to be created through me. What would you say to that woman who is on the fence right now? Well, one it's, what everyone tells me about having kids is you're never going to be ready. So I have to imagine, you know, it's the same thing. Like if you're a mom, you were never ready to have a kid, but you just did it. Like, you're never going to be like, no, it's the perfect time. Like, it's just not going to happen. So like, get rid of that notion. Um, I think you need to do the work of like, why do you want to start a business? Because it's not for the faint of heart. Like you have to be able to, 
go get high. You can't get too high on the highs and too low on the lows. And it is going, thankfully recruiting is sales. And so I have spent 15 years of my life just kind of staying even keel because I know as soon as I have an offer out to someone who's perfect, they're going to back out tomorrow and I'm going to be starting from scratch. And it's just like too many ups and downs. And so I already kind of had that muscle built and that you, you have to know why you want to do the business and it can't be just for freedom and time freedom and location independence, because that is not enough to stay in the game. It's a benefit, but you're seriously starting, you're, you're just giving yourself another version of a job. You're going to have to work when you don't want to. I woke up this morning, like shit, it's Monday. I don't really want to do the work today. I still had the exact same feeling in a different way, but I know why I'm building the business and it's more than just those things. So like, it's not going to, I guess the point is like, it's not building your own business is not going to get rid of the stuff that you might be trying to get rid of. It just changes it a little bit. So you have to be clear on why you're building it. Um, I guess like the, the, um, the last piece of advice would be why not just try. I, I don't know. Like that, like I said, like I go, to, I, <laughs> I mean, I go, I go, that's, that's where my brain, like I, I go to, maybe this is really bad, you know, in terms of the world of like manifesting what you want, but I go to worst case scenarios all the time, not from like an anxiety ridden, like fearful place, but at the end of the day, the worst case scenario I come up with is either inevitable anyways, or it doesn't really matter. So I, you know, I kind of, I, I do those. So I don't know. I love that. Just do it. Right. Like, I mean, this, why not try of why not? Why not? Cause you know, in 20 years and 30 years, are you going to look back and be disappointed that you never tried? Or are you going to try and have a lived experience and realize that there's always a lesson learned? There's always another choice. There's always another path from that. And you might try it. And then stop doing it for a while, like I did, and then go do it again. Like it's fine. Iterate. You if can you're in a iterate once you've had a lived experience, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And if you're in a corporate job, congrats to you. You're already like way as, like ahead of a lot of people out there in the workforce. There's always going to probably be the need for your job again somewhere else later in time. So like try it for a year, and if it doesn't give you what you're hoping it will give you go get another job amen amen i have no shame in going and being a, a server at a bar if i need to like i whatever it is what it is like you can find a job anywhere anyways sorry i i feel i feel that way as well i my my go-to for a while when i was like just trying to like build belief in my own body when i was building that muscle as i was making this transition was i can for sure serve coffee somebody somewhere Somebody will love that I can make a damn good Americano and I can make enough to keep my lights on and put food on the table. It's going to be okay. There's always another option if this didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, Jack. I feel like we could talk for hours on so many topics and I want you to share a couple of things. One, you have an epic podcast out. I will link my show that I was on your show uh, a couple of weeks ago, but talk to me about the podcast that you run, because I think the energy behind that podcast is epic. And I want everybody to tune in. So start there. And then where else can people find you and get access to your information? 
Well, thank you for that. And thanks for coming on my show. Um, the podcast is called, Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. And it's this idea of, I mean, exactly that. Like, oh shit, you're you're in charge now. Like, what do you How do? How many times have you said that yourself, listener? And, or have you seen your boss with like the, the deer in the headlight looks of like, oh shit, now I- I'm the one making the call. I'm obsessed with the topic and the title. Thank you. Um, because I do, as, as an entrepreneur, you you find all of, like all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I have to register in that state. Oh shit, I have to set up someone's email address. Oh shit, I have to have that conversation with somebody. Like it's all of those things. And that's usually the thought like, oh, that's me. Okay. Um, and so on the show, we talk all about team hiring, leadership, um, I interview entrepreneurs who share like lessons they've learned in being a boss, all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's everywhere that um, that you can find podcasts. You want to know what the weirdest thing is? I, I, uh, my podcast team put it on Amazon Podcast because they now have Amazon Podcasts. Super cool. If you Google my name in Amazon. I pop up as like a search item. It's the weirdest thing. Anyways, you're famous. It's just like very weird. There's probably no one listening there, but I was just like, oh, Amazon has that now. So, but um, everywhere. So Apple, Spotify, Amazon, um, all those places. Um, And then my business is People Principles. Um, and we offer like bespoke recruiting, very similar to what Jackie does, um, along with like fractional HR and a lot more. We also provide a lot more just tactical people operations support, because when you're, when you are a scaling business, there's a lot of infrastructure that you need to set up. And once it's set up, it's fairly easy to run. But if you're hiring an HR consultant who has not worked in a modern workplace, they don't know a lot of the tools and the simple ways to set up things like a payroll, an HR platform, a handbook, performance reviews, one-on-one templates, like all of the stuff that I I default to simple. And that is from my former CEO, Jesse Janae, who was on my show. She was always like, how do we make this simpler? Like that was always their thing. And that was such a great lesson. So um, we help with setting up um, a lot of those things and and all of that stuff. Um, So yeah, so people can find me at peopleprinciples.co and then peopleprinciples on Instagram, on LinkedIn, all of those things. We'll make sure everything's linked up so that you can get access to Jack, all of her great information. I share on my Instagram practically weekly, one of the quotes or one of her posts mm-hmm. that comes from people principles. She offers so many amazing tips to new managers, leadership, hiring, all the good stuff. Jack, I can't thank you enough for doing life together, building businesses, mm-hmm. collaborating, being really open to this belief that there's abundance and enough to go around for all. But most importantly, just being such a dear friend and your heart is something I love the most about you. And Mm. I'm just deeply grateful for your friendship and to keep building businesses together. Yay. Thank you so much. It's always fun chatting with you and hopefully other people get inspired by our convo. So thanks for having me. We'll see you again, guys, on the next episode of the Jackie Service Show.
If you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening. Share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth. Share it with a fellow business owner in your network who you know will be moved by the message. Heck, share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your support in growing the show means the world to me. 